0: Good morning, saints of our Lord, and welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm your host, Brady Finner, and pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for tuning us in this morning on Worldwide KFUO, Christ for you anytime, anywhere. Today is Thursday, September 2nd, and we gather this next hour around the gift of the inspired and true Word of God and continue to connect the dots from the Old Testament to Jesus in the last chapter of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 13. We are now into this point where we've gone through all the riches and the nuts and bolts and everything. And now he gets to the point in verse 1 where he says, you know, brotherly love. All of Hebrews has proven that Jesus is the Christ, the high priest, the greater Moses, the great Melchizedek, the author and perfecter of our faith. And today we hear more about Christ and also receive Very important instructions on how to live out that life in holiness. It is so much to go through and so much gift because we know the gifts are ready, ready for you. A special thanks to our friends from Lutheran Heritage Foundation for your support of Thy Strong Word. Visit lhfmissions.org for more information, lhfmissions.org. To give us God's strong word this morning, we have the joy of having with us Pastor Ben Meyer of Hope Lutheran Church in Sunbury, um, Ohio. I wrote down Wisconsin. I'm sorry about that. Pastor Meyer, welcome back to Thy Strong Word.
1: Well, it's probably because you're uh, getting a little apprehensive about the game tonight and you're, you're going, oh, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> Playing yeah. Ohio, I
0: don't even want to mention
1: the name because I want us to win. Anyways. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, it's good to well,
1: be with you. Good to, uh, yeah. to have the opportunity to spend time in God's Word together today. Oh, man, we have a great, great section here in Hebrews 13. There's just so much in here. So I look forward to uh, studying this together with you.
0: Well, you know what, Pastor, on that note, like we have talked about before, um, and as you just mentioned, there's a lot of great stuff. So let's get into it. How about, can you begin our time in prayer
1: and ask the Lord's blessings for us? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Let us pray. Lord Jesus, you are the perfect, once for all, sacrifice for sin who continues to serve us today as our great high priest. We ask that you would guide our study today today that in these words, we would be strengthened in our faith and life by your power. In your name we pray. Amen.
0: Amen. Reminder to listeners, if you have any questions, and to me, today would be a great opportunity for you to be able to give your input and some of your thoughts, or how does this work for our lives today in Christ, send us an email, kfuo at kfuo.org, or give us a call, one 800 737 730-2727 Seven three zero two seven two seven or three one four eight two one zero eight fifty three one four eight two one zero eight fifty now pastor as we said there's many 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 nuggets in our text today so I'm going to do this and we've been doing this throughout Hebrews because there is so much to cover I want to read all 16 verses that we'll be studying and then come back and hear some of your introductory thoughts. So we'll a reminder to our listeners, we'll be reading from the English standard version and we'll be doing the first, excuse me, studying the first 16 verses as we hear them. Now, the author writes, let brotherly love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers for thereby. Some have entertained angels unaware. Remember those who are in prison as though in prison with them, and those who are mistreated, since you are also in the body. Let marriage be held in honor among all, and let the marriage bed be undefiled, for God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. Keep your life free from love of money, and be content with what you have, for he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper, I will not fear. What can man do to me? Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings. For it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods, which have have not benefited those devoted to them. We have an altar from which those who serve the tent have no right to eat. Through him, then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God, that is, the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. So as you read this, we really will not have to go more than a verse at a time, maybe a few (laughs) verses at a time, but there is so much here, which is glad. I'm glad we're digging in. Pastor, as we look at chapter 13, um, how do you want to introduce us, uh, background, whatever it takes to make sure we start off on the right foot?
1: I think Hebrews is just such a rich book, as you know, as you've been studying it, and it shows us Christ. It shows us Christ as our great high priest, Christ as king. It shows that Christ is the fulfillment of the Old Testament scriptures. It shows us that we don't need anything beyond Jesus, but that Jesus is all in all. And in chapter 13, we kind of get to follow up the author of Hebrews laying out, here's who Jesus is. Here's what he's done for you. And now Hebrews 13 is, now as you are in Christ, what does that look like? Uh, It Mm -hmm. makes me think of the uh, explanation of the second article of the Apostles' Creed, that I may be his own and live under him in his kingdom and serve him in everlasting righteousness, innocence, and blessedness. That's really what this section is. It is living under Christ in his kingdom and serving him in everlasting righteousness, innocence, and blessedness. And that, that kingdom has started. We are part of the kingdom of God now. Our eternity has started now. And so we live as those who have been set free, those who have been made citizens of the kingdom of God. And Hebrews 13 kind of lays out, here's what that looks like. Here's some of how that actually appears in our daily living.
0: And very, you know, all of Hebrews is very clear on exactly like you said in the catechism, that I may be his own. It always starts that way. Um, chapter 11 mm-hmm. talks about by faith, um, and then it speaks about the action. So God's mm-hmm. gifts, and then the action. And for us, it, in, in verse 28, we talked about this yesterday. It was just wonderful, is to get to this, the kingdom that cannot be shaken, you know, because mm-hmm. as Moses was on the mountain, there's all this shaking and fear. But now that Christ has done what he has done, we know that the kingdom will not be shaken. And then, therefore, you know, the book of Hebrews Indeed. is a therefore book. It's always this mm-hmm. and then that. I tell you this to tell you that. And today mm-hmm. it talks about brotherly love. Any other introduction thoughts you have before we dig in?
1: No, I think that's wonderful that that connection with verse 28, that it is living in this kingdom that cannot be shaken. Under this new covenant, that is sure and certain because of Jesus.
0: I'll say this, and this is kind of fun, is if you were to take one verse at a time in Scripture and take completely out of context... Uh, verse 29 would be quite the fun to throw in there and see what people think. For our God is a consuming fire. This is the word of the Lord. Amen.
1: <laughs> what do you think? Might not be the best sermon. Well, I think sermon there's a lot Sunday. you can do with that, uh, right? <laughs> rightly or wrongly. <laughs>
0: exactly, yeah. So let's dig into our verses. Verses 1 through 3 is how we will begin. And there's enough there for the rest of the hour, but we will, we will push through. Verses 1 through 3, the author writes, Let brotherly love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unaware. Remember those who are in prison as though in prison with them, and those who are mistreated since you also are in the body. There, There's a lot here, but I, I love the beginning. Let brotherly love continue. How would yeah. you break down those three verses and remind us uh, to live out the Christian faith?
1: I think first one, let brotherly love continue. Love is the fulfillment of the law. Mm-hmm. And as we have been redeemed by Christ, we are now set free to do what God commands in his law. We're not saved by those works, but because we are saved, we're now set free to love our neighbor. And so we are seeking to love our neighbor as ourself, not as a means of Gaining salvation, but as those who have been saved, as those who are re- already uh, made righteous by Christ the crucified. And so he begins with this let brotherly love continue. And then, really, the rest of the chapter, much of it is a commentary on that, if you think about it. What does hmm. brotherly love look like? Well, verse 2 do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. So as we seek to let brotherly love continue, what does that look like? It, show, it looks like showing hospitality to strangers. And you can't read this verse without thinking about Abraham in the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. When the Lord himself comes to Abraham along with two angels, and it is hidden in a sense from Abraham that he doesn't know who it is he's entertaining there, but he welcomes them and he has this feast for them. He doesn't just feed them, he has just tremendous feast in which he welcomes them and gives them uh, this, this care, this hospitality. And uh, Christians are to be known for being hospitable, for taking care of those who are in need because we may be helping a neighbor. We may be helping an angel unaware, but it doesn't really matter to us. We are showing the love of Christ as Christ has shown his love to us. And then we we are to remember those who are in prison. And this, I think, is especially uh, speaking of those who are in Christ. Remember those who are in prison as though in prison with them, because we are part of the body of Christ. We're connected to those who may be in prison, some of them probably for the sake of Christ. And so we don't forget about them, but we identify with them because we are part of the same body. We are connected. We, are, we can never be individualistic Christians, but we are connected into that community. So we remember those who are in prison as though in prison with them and those who are mistreated, since we are one body. Mm. Uh, and that's part of what brotherly love looks like.
0: And there's a number of ways of looking at this, and I and I think it's good for us to be able to break down sometimes we've had that experience of hospitality. Um, mm-hmm. I remember I went to a funeral in Mississippi, the state of Mississippi, which is, you know, that's a whole different world than uh, up here in Minnesota. And it was... It was wonderful, and and you're trying to learn the language and the people and everything. And I remember went to this funeral of one of my wife's family members. And what happened was, we were at the funeral, got done, and they said, "You're coming to our house for breakfast." Well, I mean, for a lot of times that just means you know we don't want to be a burden. Da 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 da. Well, then they they came in, they had a whole big table and a bunch of people, and they had more food than I ever had imagined. For a bunch of us, they had no idea who 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 we were it wasn't family, it was <laughs> friends of the family and everything and I'll never forget that mm-hmm. hospitality that I'd never really experienced besides my own family I've never never yeah. done that before. Do you have any thoughts on 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 different ways you've seen or experienced hospitality that kind of what's being spoken of here
1: well let me let me just say it this way uh when we as Christians act in such a way as that, show that type of hospitality, not to people because we already have a relationship with them, but simply because they are people and we have the opportunity to show that hospitality, that shares the love of Christ. It embodies that uh, love of Christ. So it becomes a tangible thing, not just this idea of love not just this this thing that we talk about but it becomes tangible active love in which we can share our home share our food and thereby share our lives with these other people and we see that in the early church you see that in acts chapter 2 that they would gather together and they shared their things and they Welcomed each other into their homes and they broke bread together and they prayed and worshiped together because we're called into this community and we want to invite people into our community. So, in our congregations, hospitality is really important. Mm. We want to be hospitable when somebody comes in, whether they have a connection to this congregation or not. We want to share the love of Christ with them, which means more than just speaking about it. It means sharing ourselves, sharing our lives, sharing our homes with them. And so you have a a visitor at church. Yeah, go shake their hand. Go uh, welcome them. Go introduce yourself. But, hey, maybe invite them out for lunch. And you pay for the lunch. (laughs) Don't (laughs) split the check. Uh, But show hospitality in Opening yourself up, opening up your your wallet, your life, to help them, and and it shows that you care about them.
0: And this is something important for us because that hospitality that we have of those who are with us. I love the angel on un, angels unawares, and I I, th- I know you captured it by saying, "Why be kind? Why be hospitable to these people?" Well, because they're people. <laughs> they're human mm-hmm. beings, one mm-hmm. created by our Lord. And and with that, I'm not exactly sure how to unpack that, but do, oh, well, maybe they're an angel, maybe they're not. We don't want to go into interpretation of if they are an angel or something, but we do look right. at it as this is God's creation, this person, and how can we be Hospitable. It might be at your house, like it was when we experienced mm-hmm. in Mississippi. It might be going out to lunch. It might be coffee. It might not be any of those things. It might just simply because we have coffee at church and we extend that hand there. Sure. But I do think it's important for us to always remember to ask that question, how can I be hospitable? Not as a checkbox, you know, okay, right. I did my hospitality right. now, now I can do nothing, but as a way of saying, you know what, God has given me this opportunity as one redeemed and sanctified by him. Um, Any thoughts on, I'm going to do the prison part a little bit even more, but any other thoughts on hospitality?
1: I think we've covered that.
0: Good. So talk about prison. It's, you can't help but think about Jesus's words in Matthew 25. You know, when I was in prison, you visited me. Um, Mm -hmm. Very clear language that really reflects what the author is writing here. Um, But it it, it is something that you think of Chuck Colson and uh, Mm -hmm. the work that they did in the prisons. Most prisons prior to COVID, especially, you know, had some kind of ministry that was happening. Um and, and it's something that is very important because it is a segment of the world that we tend to forget about. Um yeah. kind of act like, well, you know, they're they're there, we're here, we don't have to have that intercede. Why is it important that we think about those who are in prison?
1: Yeah, it's it's out of sight, out of mind. And they are people who are in need. You know, we th- we think about widows and orphans and, and caring for them because of the needs that they have, and that's very real. And that's something we're called to do as, as those who are in Christ, but those who are in prison, maybe rightfully so, they still need the gospel of Jesus. They still need uh, what Jesus offers. And it only gets to them if we who have it go to them. They can't happen to show up at church on a given Sunday, right? Right. They, they mm-hmm. can't act you know happen to walk through the doors and hear the sermon. Uh, we have to intentionally go to them. and some congregations are in positions where they're actually in the neighborhood of a prison, and they can make that part of their ministry. now you're you're not likely to gain a lot of members doing that, but that's not why we share the gospel with people for the sake of our roles. We share the gospel for the sake of their eternal salvation. And so we have these people who are in prison. They need the good news of Jesus. Some of them may have already come to faith in Christ, but they need that continued ministry just like everybody else does. Mm-hmm. And so we we can't forget about them. And maybe you're not in a position to be able to go and visit people who are in prison, because it could be hours away. Uh, maybe you can be praying for those who are in prison. Uh, don't forget about them just because they're out of sight. Don't let them be out of mind.
0: And this is this is important, important as well. Because of COVID, there has been very minimal opportunity to visit people. In, in prisons. For example, there's a, a person that I've been writing to who's in prison and hopes someday to move to our area. That's how the collaboration mm-hmm. started. Well, I've never met this individual. We've written letters to one another trying to help where we can and they have local people, those kind of things. But it really mm-hmm. has become a very lonely existence and and very tough time because for many people in prison, they actually do they do believe the Gospel they do yeah. want the Gospel yeah. they understand yeah. the reality of the Gospel being different because the law is surrounding them every moment of the day
1: and, yeah. and the they, gospel they know is... they've experienced the law right and they right. they want that gospel uh because they 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 do know the law mm-hmm. so uh, up close and personal and um I think writing a letter. Sounds like, well, is that really that big of a deal? I think it is. (laughs) I think any care that is given in that way really does mean a lot. I was thinking about this. I'm preparing for teaching 1 Timothy Mm. in Bible class coming up here. And uh, uh, Paul Paul begins his letter to Timothy, and he makes a point of calling Timothy – his uh, son. Now, he's not his actual son, but he says, to Timothy, my true child in the faith. Now, when Timothy got that, how do you think that made him feel? This guy loves me like a son. And, Mm -hmm. And that has to have been an encouragement to him to build him up. So you have somebody in prison and they hear, you call them a brother in Christ. You think that's not going to be a powerful affirmation for them that they are one of those who has been uh, claimed by Christ and belongs to Him? Uh, yeah, that's going to be wonderful.
0: And that's obviously why this is highlighted, is because who needs to have an identity besides convicted? And is those yeah. who are in prison, and so this is powerful stuff. Like you said, it it un, it, it unpacks. It uh, it's like opening a, a present where you know there's brotherly love, and slowly you're opening this present to see even more of what this looks like in our lives. Then we get to verse four, and there's a transition. Even though the transition is not not great, but it definitely is a different subject matter for sure. That that this brotherly love continues into our lives of our bodies so verse 4 we'll read let marriage be held in honor among all and let the marriage bed be undefiled for God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous now this is this is this is important information for us to have exhortation I should say important law for us but it also is an extension of this brotherly love how would you how would you unpack that for somebody as they read this
1: Well, uh, going back to the Ten Commandments, you know, we have the two tables of the law, right? The first table deals with love for God. Second table deals with love for others. And in Christ, we're set free from bondage to sin, and we are now set free to fulfill the law, uh, not perfectly, but to, to seek to walk in that holiness. And marriage is part of that. That's part of God's original design. So Adam was given Eve, and Eve was given to Adam in Genesis before the fall into sin. Marriage predates sin. And so honoring hmm. marriage rightly is loving the spouse, but it also is on uh, loving the, the neighbor, too. Because marriage is good for society, and honoring my own marriage is good for my family. Uh, honoring others' marriages and and not having Christians in um, involved with um, sex outside of marriage is good for those other people, and it's good for our society as a whole. I, I love that it says, let the marriage bed be undefiled. You know, the marriage bed should be something that is good and pure and pleasing to the Lord, because that's exactly how he created it to be. Uh, and I, I was thinking about this, too, with one of the early Christian writings that we have. There's this this letter that deals with how Christians live in the society. And this is probably from about 130 A.D., and it talks about how Christians don't really stand out in a lot of different ways. They live in whatever city they happen to live in. They don't all go to try to live in, uh, you know, Christianville somewhere. They live Mm. wherever God has placed them, and they serve in all kinds of different jobs, but there is a difference in how they live. And they, when they, they, it says they marry as others do, they beget children, but they do not destroy their offspring. They have a common table, but not a common bed. You know, and that goes back to, you know, a common table, hospitality, but not a common bed, because that's not what we're called to in Christ. We're called to holiness and living out my calling as a husband is a holy calling. And it's good for me, it's good for my wife, but it's good for our society when we have people living out their calling as husband and wife. And one of the,
0: one of the realities that I think is unpacked here, I'm thinking of, first of all, a book that I read um, from, called Ethics of Sex, uh, From Taboo to Delight, um, which is a great book by, uh, uh, from CPH, and it really speaks about the the delight of what you just described of a husband and wife living a sexually pure and decent life. And, Mm -hmm. and it speaks about God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous that that captures the reality of, first of all, their sin, whenever it happens um, outside of marriage of a husband and wife, whenever there is sexual immorality, that there is judgment there. And that judgment is not only seen from God, but it also is very destructive in our lives. Whether it's disease, whether it is relationships that are broken, emotions that are are burdened, um, shame that is there, guilt that never seems to leave individuals. It is something that is completely um, just very destructive, which is why like he talks about undefiled, meaning you don't want to defile it at the same time. So he Mm -hmm. definitely, this can be seen as this hard law. is just so horrible. But to see it on the other end of saying, you know what, I don't want that for my life for someone that I love dearly and for my children and for my extended family, for my community and so forth, that this actually is going to be a wonderful gift for many, many, many people if I follow this commandment. But Pastor, right now I want to talk more about that on the other side of this break uh, slightly because we are just beginning to dig ever (laughs) so slightly into this text. So let us, right now we are studying Hebrews chapter 13 with Pastor Ben Meyer and we'll be right back. (laughs)
1: It's been said, an elephant can be trained but never completely tamed. There's no such thing as a truly domesticated elephant. An elephant is a living, mighty, active thing. So is faith. Dr. Michael Ziegler describes the faith of Jesus that carries us along on its mighty shoulders and is lived out in tireless good deeds done for others. This week on The Lutheran Hour. Sundays at 1230 and 5 p.m. on Worldwide KFUO. Life can bring occasions and experiences that leave one at a loss for words. When the experience is a spiritual one full of grace and goodness, one word, Alleluia, can be enough. Hear it on the next Sing for Joy. Sundays at noon on KFUO, the messenger of good news.
0: And we are back. We are studying chap- Hebrews chapter 13 with Pastor Ben Meyer. And as we are looking at our text, we've gone through four verses. And Pastor, <laughs> I want to uh, keep going because I believe we can get through verse 6 and then be able to tail ourselves back uh, to cover all of those six verses, even more so. But I, I do want to check with this. In verse 4, is there anything more you wanted to share when it re- refers to holiness and sexuality?
1: I, th- I think our Catechism is just wonderful with this, that, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you shall not commit adultery. We should fear and love God so that we lead a sexually pure and decent life in what we say and do and husband and wife, love and honor each other. And uh, this is how God has designed for things to be. And, And it's part of what Christ has restored us to. You know, we think about that second article and all of of Hebrews that's already talked about what Christ has done for us. And now we are restored to what God would have things be. So we have the opportunity now to to live out our high calling as husband and wife. And it is holy living when we do that. And it's a blessing for us. And it's a blessing for others because it's how God would have things be. And...
0: The beauty of everything that we're going through, especially this next verse in verse 5, but the beauty of none of us are able to look at this and go, yep, I I always show hospitality. Yep, I'm always going to prison. Verse 4, you know, Jesus just just nails us to the floor when when he talks about in Matthew 5 that everyone who looks at a woman lustfully and that's just not for men to women it's 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 from women to men and so forth is is that understanding of we can't wiggle our way out of this and act like well that one's not a big deal to me no we all fall short in this Mm -hmm. and so lord help us like you said in the sixth commandment um, to be live a pure and decent life by the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, yeah. Anything else before we go to five? Because five, five. If you're not no, nailed to the floor moving. yet, We're never gonna verse five is. Yeah, yeah. Verse five is going to kill you if you if you think you're doing pretty well. So verse five, <laughs> keep your life. Uh, go, we'll go five and then to six also. Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For He has said, "I'll never leave you nor forsake you." So, we can confidently say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? So, I want to focus on verse five. It talks about keeping your life free from the love of money. That sounds easy on sound paper, easy enough, but. Right? Yeah, right. It's easy enough. What are your thoughts on that? <laughs> contentment. <laughs>
1: well, see, yeah. Contentment is the opposite of idolatry. Uh, idolatry is when we're not content with that which God has given us. Yeah, so we can look at the Ten Commandments again. You know, I just keep going back to the Catechism here, but the, mm-hmm, the Ten Commandments, mm-hmm. the Ninth and Tenth commandment, what do they deal with? Coveting. And coveting is a matter of the heart. And Christ has actually set us free from the you know, coveting, it being a necessity for us, being something we have to do. Uh, now, do we still struggle with that? Of course. Of course we do. Of course we do. But... Part of repentance is turning to the Lord when we do have those issues of coveting and not being content and asking the Lord to help and I'm thinking about the uh, crowds coming to John the Baptist and one of the soldiers asked him and we what shall we do and he said to him he said to them do not extort money from anyone by threats or by false accusation, and be content with your wages. Mm-hmm. Again, this is what that life of repentance looks like. When we are living in repentance, um, we can be content in Jesus, content with Him being our greatest treasure. Uh, Hebrew, or Colossians is my favorite book of the Bible, so I, I gotta go to that too. And and Colossians chapter three, verse five says, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. So Colossians actually tells us what uh, Mm. covetousness is. It is idolatry. So the love of money, what is that? That's idolatry. But we put it to death. We go back to our baptism, we confess it, and we are raised in Christ to live in righteousness, to live in purity, with knowing Jesus as our great treasure. You know, I think about that that wonderful hymn, Jesus' priceless treasure. And he is. He's what we need.
0: Now, all of these things remind us of how we have failed. But I will say this that in Christ, I challenge you, our listeners, Pastor Meyer and myself, to take these things to heart, knowing that, as Pastor said so well at the beginning, that in Christ you are set free, that we are called by the gospel and enlightened with his gifts to live these holy and sanctified lives. And so all of this is something that we repent over. At the same time, we want to um, lead a holy life. And that's why I love in verse 5, as he tells us all of this, but then he points us back to the Lord, and yeah, what does He, he tell does. us about the Lord in verses five? End of verse five and verse six. What does he tell us about the Lord in these situations?
1: yeah this is this is just wonderful how he does this. Uh, it's It's kind of like he knows, all right, uh, you've been you've been hearing this exhortation to holy living, but don't don't forget this is about Jesus still. And so he directs them right back to Jesus. We can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? And so uh, Jesus is the one we look to. He is our great treasure. And and he's quoting here from the book of Psalms. Uh, this is from one of those uh, Hallel Psalms, those, those Psalms of praise. In fact, it's the last one. And, and these were sung at the Feast of Tabernacles, and then they would be sung at uh, great uh, celebrations, the Passover, the Feast of Weeks. And it, the, this was a, a celebration of God giving the victory. So we can celebrate. Jesus will never leave us. He will never forsake us. We can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. So when we're going through those difficult times, we have this promise that we hold on to. Money, money can go away quickly. Uh, All of those possessions, we can lose them very, very quickly. I was reading Job chapter one this morning. In fact, my goodness, everything was gone in one day. Mm -hmm. But the Lord says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And so not only could others say the Lord is my helper, I will not fear, we can say it. The Lord is my helper.
0: And there's there's a lot of wisdom that goes into this. Like I was reading this morning with Ecclesiastes that all of these things, you know, especially the love of money, can be gone in an instant, and it's like chasing the wind. I mean, that's Mm -hmm. exactly how Solomon writes about it. And here, I can't help but think about uh, Psalm 121. As you mentioned, that they quote Psalm 118. I lift my eyes to the hills from where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. And for this, this is important that we have, one, a God that never leaves us, our God Emmanuel, as we understand with the Incarnation, but also that He is our Helper. I think this is important. I want to hear your thoughts here as a pastor and as you address your your faithful members. Um, why is it important for us to be able to always point back to a God who's always with us and that God is always helping us when we hear these words of exhortation in the
1: first six verses? Yeah, because that holy living doesn't happen simply by my own will, by my own um, strength. This is the Holy Spirit at work in and through me. Uh, the the Holy Spirit, one of the names we have for him is the, the paraclete, the one who comes alongside us and helps us. And that's where holy living really flows from. Yes, there is an element of of us seeking to live in ways that are holy and pleasing to the Lord, but it's because the Holy Spirit is at work and he is helping us to do that. We're not alone in this. The Lord doesn't say, okay, I did my part. You go do yours. The Lord just continues to be with us and to help us. In fact, when Jesus ascends into heaven, he ascends. And and one of the reasons he says he's going to ascend is so he can what? Send the helper, send the Holy Spirit, so that the Holy Spirit can be with us, be in us, It worked through us.
0: let's continue to move forward because we find out even more about that helper. Obviously, we know the Holy Spirit, but here, that one who sends his helper, we find out a little more about him and a few other realities in our text. So let's move on, verses 7 through 9. Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings. For it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods which have not benefited those devoted to them. Now, Pastor, I want to start with this first. Is there, Remember your leaders. What leaders is he talking about here?
1: He's talking about leaders in the church here. Uh, those who spoke to you the word of God. So this is a... Uh... For, for us as pastors, you know, this can be a word of law for us, right? Mm. Remember your leaders. Oh, I actually need to be worthy of imitation. Right. <laughs> and, oh, my. And I, I can remember early on in ministry when when somebody, I was talking to to a, a woman who had just recently come to the church, and she was speaking to me and, and said uh, something about me, you know, being her uh, her her spiritual leader. And I almost laughed because I'm like, me, really? You know? <laughs> <But> <laughs> what are you talking about? Yeah. As a pastor, <laughs> I mean, I knew it, right. But to hear somebody say it, it was like, oh, wow. Uh, yeah, I need to be worthy of that imitation. Uh, but yeah, the, the, the leaders, those who spoke to you, the word of God, consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. So, Uh, This is one of the reasons we actually have things like uh, Saints' Days and commemorations of various people. In fact, I think today is the commemoration of Hannah and her Mm. wonderful faith in crying out to the Lord and asking for a child and then giving that child back to the Lord. We have examples of what it looks like to live as Christians And I think that's such a beautiful thing, such a gift from God, that we're not just given a book. And he says, read the instructions and go do it. But we're given a community. We're given people that we can learn from. We can see how they go about things. And some of these people that we can learn from, uh, they've already died. (laughs) But they died in the faith. They died confessing the faith. And they are wonderful models of Christian living for us. And and some of those leaders are still living and we get to watch them and model ourselves after them. You know, when, when I was a very young pastor, one of the things I would do is look around at the other pastors and say, okay, what can I learn from these guys? And now that I'm and not as young pastor, I look around <laughs> at the other pastors and I go, all right, what can I learn from these guys? How are they going about things? Uh, because there's always growth that can happen. Uh, but yeah, the, the pastors are given to, to be models for the people in what it looks like to to live by faith.
0: And this is something... Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I, I really like how you lay that out as the body of Christ as a gift. Um, because it, it speaks about then verse 3, you know, to visit those who are in prison, since you are also yeah. in the body. You know, mm-hmm. it, it, it's, it's talking about that body of Christ that extends beyond our church walls. But then in those ch- that church which you attend, the Lord has called up leaders. Um, to show us how to live and what to do and to imitate their faith. And I mean if we actually sat down and wrote down the different ways that we want to imitate the faith of others that we know of, it might be a list longer than we even know. There's many things we do we don't even know we're doing it. And we yeah, pray that the absolutely. Holy Spirit would, would would use that in and, us as well.
1: So keep going. Yeah. And, and and I love how verse eight then immediately goes back to Jesus though. <laughs> yeah. You know, Thanks because, be to God for that. <laughs> yeah. I mean your leaders are still frail humans and they will die, right? Yeah. So, well, oh, here was the guy that we were looking to and imitating, but he's died. Uh, where can we look? Well, we look to Jesus, right? He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is unchanging. Pastors come and go, right? I will be here as long as I'm here, and then I won't be. But the church doesn't depend on me. Jesus is the one who is unchanging. He's the same yesterday and today and forever. And I love that that play there, too, because this is just bringing us right back to the divine name, right? I am that I am, which could be I was that I was or I will be that which I will be. Jesus is, uh, he is the only true God, right? The, the, the Trinity is the only true God. So we have Jesus who is unchanging, everything else around us is is changing. Everything seems uncertain. But man, what we have in Jesus is sure and certain and unchanging. As
0: we look at this, it, verse 8 does seem kind of, if you look at it from, a, um, from an English or grammar standpoint or rhetoric standpoint, it's kind of strange. Like, okay, yeah. that's kind of a random sentence in the middle of it. But when you look at it from a soul care understanding of everything, it really makes sense because you're going down this list, boom, verse five and six points you back to Christ. Verse seven, boom, that can bring you to your knees back to Christ. Verse nine, it strengthens us to look at this and to say, listen, be do not be led away from this because this grace of which I just mentioned in verse eight is going to be far better for you than any kind of law that is brought before you. Pastor, I want to touch on verse 9 a little bit, but there's some other stuff I want to get into. And we have about eight minutes left. So verse 9, it talks about staying strong in the grace of Christ. What is he speaking yeah. about in verse 9?
1: Yeah, it can be so tempting to start with the gospel and to then think, okay, well, I, I believe in Jesus. That's what the gospel's for. And now I can move on to the law. Well, there is a sense in which the law comes into play then for us as christians we want to do what god would have us do but that's not a replacement for the gospel it it flows out of who we now are in christ and we there's this temptation that's very real for people that they want to leave behind those basic things you know how many times do do People think, oh, I already know the catechism. I don't need to mm-hmm. go back to that. I can move on to something different. But no, Actually, you can't. It's impossible. <laughs> Everything flows out of those basic things that we know from the catechism. Now, you can build on that. You can understand things more deeply, but you never get beyond the catechism. You're always going to be in those basic things in the faith, and the gospel is is never to be left behind. The gospel is that treasure that we hold on to and that we, we want to live from. That's where we get our identity.
0: And so as we, let's move on, verses 10 through 13, um, because that's just so rich, but we have to move on. So verses 10 through yeah, 13, we <laughs> we're going to run out of time. <laughs> we, have, we have an altar from which those who serve the tent have no right to eat. For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the holy places by the high priest as a sacrifice for sin are burned outside the camp. So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. Therefore, let us go to him outside the camp and bear the reproach he endured. Now, here, once again, this goes into the sacrificial understanding of the temple, the tabernacle. It brings us back to Christ, you know, a lot of language of the high priest, Melchizedek, very much so throughout Hebrews. What is he saying in these verses? It can be a little bit also difficult to understand the context. So, yeah. about a few minutes. Oh, here. my goodness. We could spend the whole, a whole hour
1: just on these <laughs> verses. This is wonderful, <laughs> wonderful stuff. But this idea of the altar and the tent, it sounds kind of uh, peculiar to our ears. But the altar was there in the temple in Jerusalem, and only the one priest on, uh, on one day of the year could go into the Holy of Holies and into the place where that altar was and he would have to offer a sacrifice for his sins before he could go in and do that and offer a sacrifice for the, the sins of the people. Well, Jesus, as we heard earlier in uh, what Hebrews 10.10, 10, he is the once for all sacrifice for sin. Mm. And now his blood covers us. And one of the beautiful things we have here is that his his Crucifixion doesn't take place in Jerusalem, does it? It takes place outside of the city walls. And what is this showing? Showing that this sacrifice is not just for those who are on that inside, but it is for all the world. And Jesus' message needs to go out into all the world. Uh, But as we are in Christ And as Christ was not welcomed by those religious leaders, we can expect to be those who are also on the outside. Uh, We are going to be on the outside of the camp, bearing the reproach he endured. So as Jesus was not welcomed by so many, as he was hated, well, that will be the case for for us as well, Mm -hmm. who are in Christ.
0: As Jesus tells them, they persecute you. They persecuted me first, and yes. that and that's just a reminder here of one, all that Jesus has done for us. Don't be surprised if there's issues, persecution, so forth. But guess what? Jesus has already been there before you. You know, mm-hmm. He's already gone through all of this. And so, once again, mm-hmm. it brings us back to Jesus. Jesus is not one who's putting you into something that He would not first do Himself. Um, yeah. He doesn't go back to st-
1: that promise again. Remember that. The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? I don't have to be afraid of people or what they think of me or what they do to me, because Christ is eternal. He literally has everything under control. So I don't have to worry about it.
0: And that's why the transition to the last few verses in our uh, section today, obviously there's a whole book, a chapter here that we could be digging into, but it brings us from, okay, this is what we're called to do. This is Jesus, what he's endured. And then you're like, wait, what, what problems come my way? The Lord's my helper. But what is the hope yet still to come? Verses 14 through 16. For here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. Through him then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. So here he tells us about hope and what we are to do with this hope. So what is the hope that we have?
1: Yeah, I love, love, love this section. These verses Mm -hmm. are just wonderful. In, Because of Jesus, we look forward to an eternal home. Uh, Home for us in this life, in this world, is passing. And some of us don't ever feel all that at home, no matter where we might be. And that's because we're looking forward to that true home. Uh, It speaks of that in, in Hebrews 11. Abraham did not um, go back because he was looking for that true home. And as those who are in Christ, that's what we're looking for. He is our hope for that true home, the new heavens, the new earth, where we will be with the Lord, free from sin, free from sorrow, free from all of the suffering. And that's exactly what he has in store for us. You know, what can man do to me? I've got one who has eternity in his hand, and he's promised me everlasting life. What do I have to be afraid of here? So let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. And I, I think this is such a wonderful thing, too, because earlier in Hebrews, it speaks of Jesus as the once for all sacrifice for sin. So mm-hmm. what kind of sacrifice is this? It's not a sacri- sacrifice for sin. It's a sacrifice of praise, a sacrifice of praise for the one who has already overcome sin, who has already ensured everlasting life for us. It is a sacrifice of our lives that honors the Lord. Uh, First Peter uh, speaks of this, that we are uh, like living stones being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God Jesus Christ. So our our living is a spiritual sacrifice. When we remember those who are in prison, when we uh, let the marriage, uh, when we hold marriage as uh, honorable, and as we live out our, our vocation as husband and wife, and as we are content with the Lord and we use those gifts that we have For hospitality, rather than holding on to our money with a tight, clenched fist, we are honoring the Lord with sacrifices of praise as we serve those around us.
0: Pastor, we have about a minute and a half left. How would you summarize these wonderful words and encourage our Christian brothers and sisters this morning?
1: Oh, there's there's so, so much here, but I think... Going back to what we talked about at the very beginning, Jesus has redeemed us. He has made us his own, and he now sets us free to live under him in his kingdom and to serve him in everlasting righteousness, innocence, and blessedness. And we're living out that eternity already in the here and now. So as we show hospitality and remember those who are in prison, and as we uh, honor marriage, and as we are free from coveting and we seek to use those gifts that God has given us in ways that honor Him, and as we continue to bear the reproach of the world that hates us because it hates Jesus, uh, we honor the Lord, but we we live as those who are in Christ, those who have been redeemed and who have that home that awaits us that cannot be taken away from us.
0: Pastor Ben Meyer of Hope Lutheran Church in Sunbury, Ohio, giving us God's strong word from Hebrews chapter 13. Pastor Meyer, thank you again for bringing
1: the gifts good to be with you i appreciate your ministry and and god's blessings as you finish out hebrews tomorrow
0: (laughs) saints of our lord it is said so well in the hymn jesus priceless treasure hence all earthly treasure jesus is my pleasure jesus is my choice since all empty glory not to me thy story told with tempting voice pain or loss or shame or cross shall not from my savior move me since he deigns to love me these are our this is our hope and this is what we read in Holy Scripture because it all is about Christ. I'm your host Brady Finner and pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for joining us and the Lord keep you safe in the palm of his hands.